SMQBs, episode 43. The boys are on fire tonight. We are covering everything NFL week 13, Major League Baseball player lockout. We talk NCAA college football. Shockingly, it is still boring. Also, NCAA college hoops. NBA, a new rivalry is brewing. A really well-deserved, he worked hard for this punchable face of the week. And an also excellent Ted Lasso moment. Check it out. Leave us a five-star review. Have fun. SMQBs, this is episode 43. He's born in Toronto, not Paul Miller. Plays on the right wing. 16th pick in the 2012 NHL entry draft. He's played in 594 games. This must be a Washington. His next goal will be his 100th. And he's almost at 150 assists. No clue. I and he has the Capitals. Oh, makes all sorts of friends around the league. Perhaps the most popular player to boo in the NHL. Yes, Tom Wilson, baby. Oh, oh my God! God. That's wow. it. Number wow. 43, Tom <laughs> Wilson. Bison, Bison. Wasn't Larry Brown number 43? The running back uh, for the for the Redskins. I don't know. Back, was he back before your time? Yeah, I don't know. I think he was. Uh-huh. Darren Spro- Darren Sproles is going to punch Tom Wilson in the face for that. Darren Sproles oh, can't it. reach Tom Wilson's face if he Darren was on three. He would phone break books. his hand punching Tom Wilson. Yeah, that's come on. Eckersley that's, was only it was the other possibility. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, but listen, let's not talk about Tom Wilson or Eckersley or forty three. Really. We have to celebrate Mustache Mania today, don't we, House? I mean, Didn't we have mania? given you so much grief about your quarterbacks, and the Eagles have found their savior. You're <laughs> locked, you're loaded, and look, you've either stumbled upon the next great Philadelphia quarterback or the greatest porn star doubling <laughs> as an NFL <laughs> quarterback, right? One of the two here, uh, and, and it makes it official now. Every NFC East team is quarterbacked by a backup. That's it's really, right. It's pretty remarkable. Everyone. But, but Minshew's a former starter. You know, I mean, I, I was surprised when they got him for a six-round pick. Uh, Wasn't was, bad in Jacksonville. Yeah, he was good. Oh, yeah. The Mississippi mustache is stealing the thunder from Taylor Heineken. He can't, Heineken yeah. cannot be happy about this. <laughs> I know. Those two I need know. to hang out. Milk, who's sling, <laughs> who's sling Blade there behind you? That's the wrong occasion, baby. That's we're going to find out. You're, you're going to know his name well enough. All right, then. All right. Well, look, Five years. look let's let's focus here. Uh, House, this is the – I know no, nobody was more excited this week in, in football than Philadelphia. So take us through a little NFL. Well, I'm still floating on the cloud that – Gardner Minshew the second. By the way, can someone please explain to me 
if Gardner Minshew the second, and it does say Minshew the second on the back of his jersey, if his father is Flint, how <laughs> did he become Gardner Minshew the second? He could have mystery. an uncle named Gardner. The, hey, I guess uh, the video. That's, of that's why he's not a junior. That's why you're not a junior if you're a second, because he's I'm, not after your dad. They, you guys are my oh, genealogy <laughs> lesson from the rooster. Yeah. You can you guys, uh, Toby, I don't think this isn't an issue for you, Toby. Is it? This is this is a confusing no, concept, I, right? I just want to say you guys are my friends, so I wish all of you, not in your teams, but as fans, the chance to play the New York Jets. That team really, really smells, and that is why Gardner Minshew smells so good today. But right. there, there. Everyone uh, in the NFL gets a win at some point in time, even the kneecap-eating Detroit Lions, Mm -hmm. who took down the Minnesota Vikings. Guys, we have five weeks of football left. The playoff picture is clearing. The coaching hot seat is heating up. The perennial favorites are rounding into form. We've got the Bucks and the Pack and the Chiefs saying like we're ready to go but we've got the upstarts we've got the cardinals who will not let go of the best record in football we've got tonight the new england patriots could take over as the number one seed in the afc this is a great the, game tonight is yeah, there another is game. there another team in the afc you trust to win one week after the next right now other than the patriots no, no. well it's a good good maybe the chiefs yeah. maybe there's certainly not the Ravens. No, How about this guy? The There's one other AFC team with five consecutive wins. Can you name them? The Dolphins, Dolphins. baby. To a mania. Dolphins, Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. The Dolphins yeah, six are and six seven. and seven and making their way into possible playoff form. Wherever I go, wherever I go, NFL teams are winning right now. That's right. Just You got to follow, <laughs> follow Bison and, and you know where the winners are. Well, please don't go to New York. <laughs> I need to, we, we're playing for the highest picks we can get. Bison, I got to start with you because I think you have slowly turned away from the Hallmark Channel over to NFL football. Take us through your last two minutes of watching that game. Did you believe? Did you believe in victory? Never had a doubt. <laughs> Never had a doubt. No, you know, um, we're on our fourth kicker of the season. They signed this guy, I don't know, Tuesday. Uh, Heineken said, like, most of the guys didn't even know his name before the game was over uh, on, the, on the team. I mean, why should he make that kick? Why? Why, why would he make that kick? So, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I hate, hate, hate my ownership. I hate it. it I, they're disgusting human beings. They're, they're terrible people. They're, they're, they're just awful. But I really like Ron Rivera. I mean, he has these guys playing hard. I mean, they're they're on their fourth center. The fourth center started the game and played. And so, I don't know. There's there's something fun about that, about watching these guys who probably have no business winning, just gutting it out. And and they won two games by the score of 17-15 in seven days. That's got to be a first. Did That's you guys see? Did be. you guys see? Speaking of new kickers, did you guys see the Jets kicker who missed? Oh my god! Two extra points. He's also <laughs> right off the street. And did you see his face? Like before the second <laughs> one, he looked like he was going to wet his pants. He was so nervous. <laughs> it was unbelievable. 
Well, he is back stocking shelves at the Walmart. Yeah, he's no I think he got kicker. released before the game was over. That's awesome. Well, Bison, you want Dallas. I mean, you're going to get him on Sunday. Let's preview that thing. We want Dallas. What's there to preview? I mean, you know, listen, we don't have a chance. You guys should should steamroll us. There's no way. There's I want no way it, Washington can well, win that I game. want. I want that an capacity crowd. Question. Yes. Is it going to be capacity? That's no. what I want. Well, the hogs are going to be back, and you're going to be singing. You know, hail to the what the fucks or I mean, what? what um, I think the I think it'll be a pretty good environment. Actually, I think it will be a pretty good environment. We have the upper bowl not, uh, with a curtain down, so make it a lower bowl excitement. They don't have the curtain over the whole upper bowl. Just, oh, I mean, it's it, a lot it, of it. It is one of the biggest stadiums <laughs> in the NFL if they have all the seats. Oh. Oh, By the way, have you noticed after every Washington home game, a video emerges of massive amounts of water coming through a roof, like inside? Oh, yeah. Did you see the one last week? Yeah. There's like gallons of it. They're horrible human beings. They don't do anything. They're they're just terrible. They're selling. Snyder's are terrible. They sell umbrellas. So you have to, if you sit (laughs) there. I mean, it's crazy. What's happening? So the the Cowboys will be healthy, which means they'll lose, right? Is McCarthy on the sideline? Yep. Unfortunately. He'll be back, yeah. That's a problem. Uh, Tyron I'll Smith is back. We got Demarcus Lawrence back and the full receiving core back. The next five know. weeks are going to be fun because we now have reached the point where, for better or for worse, the NFL has pretty much rigged the schedule. So it's almost all interdivisional play. The Eagles' final uh, remaining games are all within the NFC East, which means for you guys, that's the same, all for the Giants and the football team and the Cowboys. And I don't know if it's the same for the Bucks. I presume it is. You started yesterday with the Falcons, but I think these games are actually going to be very exciting because even for teams that are out of the playoff hunt, interdivisional games just mean something different. I mean, look at even the Lions and the Vikings. Look at the Steelers and the Ravens. Interdivisional games are great. We're in store for some great football. I don't think the, the Bucks are playing the Bills next Huge next game. Yeah, yeah that is hey, right. Speaking, of the, speaking yeah. of the Bucks, Milk, I have a question for you. So, um, you know that the Bucks are five and zero oh when AB start plays and four and three without him. Yeah, he's a huge. Uh, one. And when they signed him, the coach said one one screw up and you're gone. Right. So, I mean, they, without him, you got no speed on the outside. You got a bunch of big, slow possession receivers. What are you going to do? You think you're going to Cut him loose. I mean the the word on the street is they're going to cut him, but they haven't done it yet. If they don't do it, it's going to make it seem like Arians uh, doesn't have the the, the sway right. to to back up his words. Yeah, because we kind of hoping Brady likes him. Yeah, and he you can tell the difference. I mean, now Godwin stepped up yesterday, big time. You're welcome, Nace. Don't you have him? A lot of fucking good that did me. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, you got a chance to win tonight, right? I don't think so. I never uh, had a chance. Um, Let me- but I, we were hoping Scotty Miller was going to come back and kind of take that role. He didn't do damn thing. He's yesterday. not doing. He's not playing that well. So it's a, it's a big. They're in a, they're in a bind right now. What to do? <laughs> well, last question for you guys uh, before we get to our takeaways of the following coaches who loses their job after the end of the season. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, Joe Judge of the 
Giants, Dan Campbell of the Lions, Mike Zimmer of the Vikings. Who's gone? Zimmer and Judge. Judge how is, is Zimmer? Gone. How is Zimmer not fired? Zimmer maybe this now. week. God, yeah, maybe yeah. this Zimmer's week for Zimmer. There. Judge definitely. Idiot. I think. Uh, I think those Lions people actually like that lunatic. So I don't think he's <laughs> get fired. The, by the way, the 49ers are the seventh seed right now. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. That th- Washington is the sixth seed. They're firmly in the playoffs. Well, let's see yeah, what they're, happens. They're on firmly playing. They're firmly playing the Bucks in Tampa right now. I, God, I would love that. <laughs> I would love. I would love. Really? Philly. I want Philly more, but I will take Washington. That's, that's going to take a some moving. Oh, you think you're going to beat us twice? I, the thing on the thing on Washington is is they're going to come back to the norm. Like this is a four game winning streak. It's they're they're not going to win out. Right, I mean, they're not going to win out. No, they're not. Now, they're not. Now, if they go three and two, Look, well, it depends um, on who the it depends on who the two are. You control your own destiny. You realize that. Oh, I know, but but if we go three and two, we will make the playoffs. Yes, for sure. Yeah. See, on December, if, you go, if you go three and two and beat the Cowboys twice, you might win the division. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's only and two games happening. now. The but Giants the, have no chance against you right now. You'll beat them. We can, the only Washington's team we can beat is the Eagles. Good. Well, Cowboys still have to play the Cardinals. Right. At oh, home, but still have to play the Cardinals. And the Packers schedule, by the way, they play one team with a winning record. Actually, so do the Bucs. Is, is, is this the weirdest year of the NFL? I mean, this is a weird year, right? I know there's parity in any given Sunday and all that stuff, but but this this is really over the top, isn't it? There's some weird weird definitely weird wins that were unexpected, but I do think ultimately over the last few weeks, it's going to round into form. I think it's already starting to happen. Well, there's yeah. been no, there's no dominant teams right now. There are some consistent teams only of less than a handful. And there are some teams that have looked good part of the year and, and then terrible like the Ravens. And the, if the bills lose tonight, you might put them in, in that category. But Rooster, um, but, you, you, you're a Cardinals fan. Why aren't the Cardinals dominant in your mind? I think they are. I, I think okay. there's one or two dominant teams. Usually there's more than that. They just can't win at home. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, are at home. I, don't think, I don't think any NFC team's going to fear going into Arizona. In fact, no. Cowboys go to Arizona. They usually have more fans than the Arizona has. Well, yeah, but um, don't forget Arizona won um, – two road games recently without Kyler Murray or Hopkins. They're undefeated on the road. They're a tough, they're a tough minded team. Yeah. All right. They are, but nobody wants to go to Lambeau. Let's, let's get, let's get into our takeaways. Rooster, we'll start with you. Well, I would, one, one takeaway is with two passes, I think Jamar Chase blew his shot at offensive rookie of the year. He had an 80-yard touchdown bomb fall right into his hands, and he batted it up in the air, and it was an interception. He sure did. And at the same time, batted away my chances of beating Sack and fantasy football. <laughs> and then he had another one that hit him, hit him in the hands, and he dropped it. So I, I, I think that race is wide open, and maybe Matt Jones is the front runner. Um, and uh, other than that, it's the same takeaway that – Particularly the AFC North, the, the the it's just crazy how these teams can't seem to step up and put two good games back to back. The Ravens are the Ravens 
are are the most um, confounding team I've watched in a few years. Agreed. Good ones. Oh. Pope, Pope, what's your takeaways? Well, I mean, I, I think that uh, the NFC, you know, buy is going to, Clearly, I think it now comes down to three teams, the Cards, Packers, and Cowboys. Um, and the Cowboys actually could have something to say about it if they don't get it because they play the Cards. The Pack, as uh, Milk was saying, I mean, they play the Bears, Ravens, Browns, Vikings, and Lions. I don't see, they may not any, lose. I don't see any losses in there. So if they don't slip up, they're going to be 14-3. and three, And the Cards right now are, you know, 10-2. and two, So they have... They have the Rams, Lions, Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks. Cards have a tougher road. And right now, the Colts, you know, they, they're they playing tough. Um, and the Cowboys have, you know, the interdivisional, what, what the fuck's twice, Giants, Cards, and Eagles. So right now, I mean, I would say the Packers are probably in the driver's seat, even though the Cards have one game on them because of the remaining schedule. And like I said, Nobody wants to go to Lambeau, so I think the Super Bowl goes to Lambeau right now. Milk. I agree. Uh, this is more of a question for you guys. So I'm watching the – and I just don't understand the, the play call here. I'm watching the Steelers-Ravens game. And Why? You're, you're on the road. You're in Pittsburgh. Um, the crowd is just massive. I mean, loud as can be. Why do you go for two? I, I, someone is going to have to explain this to me. On the road, why do you go? Maybe if you're at home, you think about it. But you're you're in a tight division race. You're not teams not playing that well lately. You kind of really need that win. Why do you go for two? You also have a kicker, a kicker who can make a field goal from seventy yards from out, seventy too, yards in, right. in overtime. Right. I, I right. think that Harbaugh's point, and I'm not sure I agree with it, was. They had just lost their only decent cornerback. They had just lost their uh, one remaining offensive tackle to that pec injury. And uh, so they, they weren't going to be able to defend if they didn't win the toss. And Lamar was, I mean, did you see the touchdown before, right before that? The play right before that, he had Mark Andrews wide open right. doing a post and he threw it to the wrong side of him by about four yards. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. So, so I don't think the coaches him. had much confidence that he was going to march even into Justin Tucker range. So they were like, we got to win this thing now because we're falling apart by the second. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's still the Steelers who hadn't done shit in Roethlisberger. It's just. So so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in with my take away from milk because it's a segue i just think that sometimes these coaches just overthink things that football can be reduced to a relatively simple game pete carroll was up by seven points with two minutes to go was on the two yard line couldn't get in on third down you kick a field goal and you are up by 10 points with two minutes to go and you've definitely won that game instead he went for it on fourth down he didn't get it the 49ers came all the way down and but for a batted pass at the end of the game the 49ers tie that game you know the you you have you have the same situation with what milk was just talking about a boneheaded decision by Harbaugh. On the other hand, you've got a guy like Frank Reich who says, Oh, I've got Jonathan Taylor. I will hand the ball off. You've got even a guy like Nick Sirianni who says, Oh, 
my offensive line is just destroying people, we will hand the ball off or let you know the Mississippi mustache just throw check downs for the most part. It's not that hard of a game if you keep it simple. And the coaches that are winning right now are keeping it simple, including Bill Belichick, and those that are losing are outthinking themselves. That's my takeaway. Bison, yeah. you got the last word. And, and I'm going to follow up on that a little bit. I mean, I think, and, and I alluded to it with talking about Ron Rivera, but you know, it's a game of heart, right? I mean, we, you know, we, we talk about, we argue over offensive genius, defensive genius, but at the end of the day, you know, the NFL is, is, you know, guy going against guy in some games, somebody wants it a little bit more. And, 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 you know, that's the game is played in the trenches and it's, it is a game of heart. I mean, that's, that's why you see some of these bizarro results. Um, so I, I think, God, I think it's going to be a fun last last five weeks. It seems like the season's really long, like really long this year. I feel like we've been this is like two well, seasons is. wrapped into one, so even though it's only longer. one more game. It just feels like it's been going on forever. But ah, God, everybody, it seems like everybody's still eligible for the playoffs. Just about it's oh, it's going to be hysterical when the Steelers win the AFC North, right. And 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 Roethlisberger plays well, and it talks right. about coming back. back. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. right, you got to come. We yeah. need him back. He might test yeah. the free agent market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Well, you you know, House. To your point, though, I do think it's simple, even to the point of how you design your team. Because if you got an offensive line like yours, or the Bucks, or the Cowboys, in most years, that can play smash mouth, run football. Then even a backup or or a guy as bad as Danny Dimes can succeed because you can pass in non-passing downs and run if you're running the ball. But if you got a if you got a crappy quarterback and a and an offensive line that can't run block, then all of a sudden you're passing out of desperation and throwing picks and getting sacked and it's just a shit show. That's that's I think what sets apart the the teams that draft well from the really bad teams. Yeah. And by the way, Washington is running the ball really well right now. Yeah. I mean, right now I'd trade Saquon Bark Barkley and and our whatever wide receiver you wanted for Worfs. Yeah, <laughs> you love him, man. I mean he's, he's just monster. beating he's, people he's up. amazing. He really he just is. beats people up. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, uh House, where are we on our locks? I have got yes. some exciting. Let's talk exciting about that. <laughs> we we might have someone finish the season with a winning record, and it could change his whole life. Every decision remaining his life. Here's where we are. Um, uh, Milk uh, Rooster took a loss. Take the Vikings. Fell to two and eleven. Um, uh, House and uh, Pope both took the Dolphins. House moved to three and ten. Pope moved to four and nine. Bison with another big spread Rams minus 13 one and moved to five and eight, but he's not in first place. He is one game back of the hottest man in locks. Patrick, the milk Michler took the lions plus seven. The lions won outright to move milk to a lusty six and seven. That's yes. five in a row oh, for yay, you. Milk. Wow. One more baby. 500. <laughs> one more. <laughs> So, Amazing. Milk, before someone steals your pick, do you want to lead us off here? I, I will lead us off, and I'm going to tell you right now. If I, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to lose. <laughs> if I win this one, something is going. I'm going to have to really rethink every decision of my entire life. I again, the Jaguars who are so bad, 
like cannot beat anybody by, or can't even beat, stay within 20 with most people are at Tennessee, Tennessee. Good. They're a good team. They're number one in their division. Uh, I'm going to be at that game. You're going to the game. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Taking my son. All right. He's a, he's a Titans fan. Yeah. Love Minus it. Minus nine and a half. I love the Titans here. Like, love it. I think they kicked the shit out of him by 30. So I have to take Jacksonville. Take Jacksonville. Minus <laughs> <laughs> I just, if I win this, I don't know. I'm, I'm done. Milk, will you, uh, will you start, will you start reevaluating past life decisions or only those moving <laughs> forward? Like, can every, I, suggest, I think, I, I think every, can I suggest just moving forward of my day, I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I want coffee. No, I guess I'll get tea. <laughs> I want to go here for lunch. No, I'm going to go somewhere else. And something good will happen. That's funny. All right. <laughs> Love it. Let's go Jags. Bison, who you got? Well, I, you know, I, I've, I've been doing okay when I take the big spreads and I'm going to not, it's not the hugest, it's not the biggest on the board, but man, I think the chargers, they got kind of a, a get right game here. And uh, I think they just hammer the giants. Okay. You got the chargers minus 10 and a half. Oh, wow. Uh, I see seven and a half for what I'm looking at, but okay. I see 10 and a half. You're looking at a tease. I um, have got to say that um, Tom Brady is an ass, but he's a good quarterback. And I'm going to take the Bucks minus three and a half against the Bills. The Bills don't compete with real teams. They're going to get slobber knockered. All right. Interesting. Bucks Bucks minus three and a half. You took the Bucks. We lost the game, I think. That's my goal. All right, Pope, you're up. <laughs> as as good as Patrick feels and loves the Titans, uh, I I want the Titans. Let's see if it finally backfires on him. It's a that's a great pick. <laughs> <laughs> and Rooster, you're bringing up the rear. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go one, one pick, just one pick this week. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, Packers minus 11 and a half over the bears. Ooh. Okay. Oh. Do you mind if it's minus 12 and a half? Would you still do it? All right. All right never mind. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Cardinals over the Rams. <laughs> okay. Cardinals over the Rams. What's On this Monday at? night? Yep. What's Cards the are minus two and a half. Uh, minus two okay. and a half. Rams. All right. He's got the Cardinals. Okay. That's, 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 where's that's the game? Arizona? Pick. It's in Arizona where they like to lose. Where they yeah. lose. Oh. All right. All Picture right. In. Back to you, Bison. No, it's it's uh, look, we got it. We got some um, sad news to report. We are in a very uncomfortable situation right now. And that is a Major League Baseball lockout. And uh, we got to spend a little time talking about this. It's the first the first lockout in what is it? Twenty four years. Uh, there's been a work stoppage. Uh, in baseball. So, you know, baseball's always feels like they're always on the brink of a, of some sort of a lockout or a stoppage or something. And uh, here we are again. Um, I don't know what this one means or, or what it's going to, going to happen with it. Uh, I think that like the next 90 days, there's really not going to be much that happens. Um, but somebody 
who wants to take on the player's position on this and 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 tee up the player's view? Who's got, I the, got players? the players? I got the players and Rooster's got the owners. All right, let's house. Let, let's hear it from the player's point of view. What is this all about? Well, of course, it's about the greed of the owners. They've they're making ten billion dollars in revenue per year, um, and they're doing it in ways that are really gross. First off, we we the players want you, the owners, to stop the tanking. What's happening is that you're hurting the competitiveness of baseball to save money. You know, either in the beginning of the season or very shortly into the season that you're not going to be competitive. So what do you do? You throw the towel in and then you strip the roster of salary and you replace that roster with minimum salary players. Now, if you wanted to, you could have a veteran come in and be somewhat competitive, but you'd have to pay that veteran pitcher six and a half million dollars. But no, what do you do? You take away any chance of competing. You bring up somebody from the minors. You sign some vagabond and you pay that player $570,000. And so what we want you to do is we want you to reduce the revenue sharing. There are some teams that are horribly uh, they're horrible teams, but yet they don't care because they're sharing in the revenue that the owners are making. We want you to reduce the revenue sharing and instead take tens of millions of dollars that you're getting that revenue sharing and make sure that you're spent sp- spreading it around. Now, to be clear, we don't want a salary floor because that's a problem. We don't want you to spend just a minimum amount of money because then you'll try to drop the salary floor. But you have to stop the tanking and ensure that players and teams are competitive throughout the season. The other thing that you're doing, which needs to stop, is you need to give players a chance to either reach arbitration or free agency earlier. The time to arbitration, three years, or free agency, six years, is just too long. And what's happening is you're relying on very hot young players at just bargain basement prices and not giving them a chance to make money. In 2019, you were paying Aaron Judge $684,000. You were paying Jacob deGrom $607,000, Carlos Correa $500,000, Chris Bryant $1 million, and they were winning you playoffs and World Series. Give them a chance to get to free agency and arbitration sooner. You need to raise the salary cap and raise the luxury tax. You've got it at $210 million. It needs to go up to $245 million. We don't like the salary cap, but if you're going to keep it, it's got to go up so that players can be compensated fairly. The average salary of $4 million is not working when you're making $10 million. And the last thing that I'll say before I turn it over to you is that this service time manipulation you're doing is disgusting and it needs to end. You'll remember that in the 2015 season, you had a guy named Chris Bryant who had hit 425 for a batting average in spring training with nine home runs. And did you open the season Cubs with him on your roster? No, you didn't. You sat him in the minors for 12 
games. Why? So that he couldn't reach free agency for yet another year. That's disgusting. It needs to end. It's gross. And that kind of service time manipulation is just to feed your wallets. So we're not, uh, we've got plenty of money in the bank to share with our players. And you can take your sweet ass time until you fix these things, Rooster. House, you ignorant slut. (laughs) (laughs) you know you 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 read off a lot of talking points but didn't give many examples the truth of the matter is that both side neither side is willing to proceed without a new collective bargaining agreement and what the owners are doing is they're trying to get this thing sped up by doing a lockout now because it's the players association's plan to wait until the season starts then walk out, call a strike, and mess up the whole season, which would ruin everything for the fans, and be, and that would give them the most leverage. So right now, the owners um, ha- have already put a lot of things on the table that you're talking about, and the players have rejected it. Um, they, the current CBA already has no salary cap. There's no maximum length or dollar amount max on contracts. Major League Baseball is the only major sport that has guaranteed contracts that run greater than 10 years and exceed $300 million per contract. Um, the owners are not proposing to change that. The, um, the free agency system is still working. We, we saw that last month where there was almost $2 billion in committed free agent signings um, before the lockout. In addition to all of that, the owners are offering a minimum payroll per club, which is the first time ever. They're offering to allow the majority of uh, players to reach free agency earlier uh, based on an age-based system rather than a minimum number of years. That's all on the table, but you don't hear about that from the Players Association. uh, They're working on uh, increasing the compensation for the younger players who are underrepresented by the Players Association. You don't hear about that much either by increasing the minimum salary per team. Um, They're talking about uh, being open to a universal DH system which the players want. Um, They're talking about being open to a new draft system using a lottery pick system like the NBA. And and they are open to uh, raising the competitive balance tax threshold. But the other things you like... You know, there there has there have been examples of tanking in the past, but it's not prolific. You didn't even make you didn't even give any examples because it was not a big deal last year. It wasn't terrible. Um, but the one thing you said that struck me as odd is um, reducing revenue sharing. So if if you do that, teams like the Reds and the Mariners and these small market teams are going to, are going to get worse. And you're just going to have a league dominated by uh, St. Louis, the, the New York teams, Boston, uh, Philadelphia and others. I mean, that would, that would be awful for Kansas city and places like that. That'd be a terrible idea. So I, I think that both sides are, are posturing. I think the owner's letter did not help their cause any. It was, it was, you know, poor media strategy. And they're, and taking the players off the website instantly was a dumb idea. But generally, I think the owners have um, have some reasonable positions out there, and everybody's talking past it by just 
posturing at this time. You, you know, that, that was a really good um, setup. You guys did a nice job laying out the issues. I uh, appreciate the effort that went into that, really. Um, I think one of the things that makes this a hard discussion or that inures to the benefit of the owners, I think it's very hard for the average fan to comprehend the difference in wealth between a billionaire and a multimillionaire, right? So like fans hear that Max Scherzer is getting $40 million a year and they, you can't comprehend the difference between getting $40 million a year and having $15 billion like Steve Cohen has, right? The, the wealth that these owners have is so, it's just so much more drastic than what the players have. And they operate from a level of greed. I mean, they really do. And to some degree, that's how they all ended up with that much money in the first place. But but the the, the wealth, this is not an equal bargaining position, even with these these contracts, these baseball players who get these enormous contracts? Well, the last time I looked, we lived in a capitalist-based society, and that's just the fucking way it works. You know, the no, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. The I'm they not disagreeing are, with yeah. you, well, but I, I think that's an advantage. I think people look at it and say, oh my God, these are just, you know, everybody's being spoiled, or these are bratty players or whatever. And and the the just... The difference in wealth is extraordinary, and I don't think people comprehend that. Well, I, I, I agree with that, but you know, I think people who feel that way have to ask themselves, how many people is Max Scherzer, Scherzer employing with his $130 million contract versus how many people is Cohen employing as the owner of the team? I mean, you know, he's it's 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 apples to oranges. I mean, Max he's like is, Robin. He's practically Robin Hood, Steve Cohen. That's what everybody says about him. Well, I mean, it's not like Max Scher, you know, Max Scherzer is suffering with one hundred and thirty million dollars. Right. No, nobody's going to throw a, a baseball. Come on. Okay, but if if you, as a law firm owner, had a lawyer working for you that won ten trials with eight figure verdicts in one year. And you didn't give that person a substantial raise, um, and he walked out the door, or she walked out the door. That'd be a problem for you. It's sure not a would. function of what. It's not a function of whether or not Max Scherzer is employing people. It's a function that his talent is lining your pockets, and you're not sharing it. They're sharing it with Max Scherzer. You could throw how much, twenty. How much is he getting a year? But you could you you could throw twenty to thirty million dollars more a year onto your payroll as an owner, and it's a rounding error in your in your life. It's right, a but if rounding you're, error. Hey, hey, if, some, if you guys are going if you're going to make that argument, you guys are going to make that argument. You can't just talk about gross revenues. I mean, you know, there's some oh, a little bit of overhead involved in in. Oh, in you know, come on, team. these guys are making right. a fortune. And Max Scherzer's not the only guy on the team getting paid. They're making a fortune. multiple millions of dollars a year. They're making well, a fortune. listen. Look, it, it, I just was going to say, I, I, I think the one thing we can all agree on in this debate is that the issues get resolved quickly. Um, 
baseball cannot afford to do what happened in 1994, lose a World Series, lose 144 games, you know, the next year. I don't think the issues are that large this year. I do think um, Rooster made some very good points. I think a lot of this was poor execution by the owners, but I do think the timing of it might have been might have been smart to get them back on the field sooner by doing it this way. Yeah. I also think that uh, Rob Manfred is a terrible commissioner. Terrible. 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 They they make every bad mistake. But, you know, as a fan, when you see your team let Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, and Max Scherzer and Trey Turner walk in three seasons, you lose those players because your, your owner isn't willing to pay them. And you know the owner's making tons and tons of money. That's very frustrating. But as a there's fan. also a segment of the fan base who says to themselves, why do these guys get to walk after only a, a few years? I can remember back in the day when a player was on a team for his whole career or close to it, and they were loyal to the team and the fans were loyal. Well, you're the one who said it's a capitalist society. No, right? no, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that. You know, you can't please everybody. And if yeah. and if you're gonna if you're gonna have wide open free agency, and you know the highest bidder gets the best players, you have to support the smaller teams with rev- revenue sharing, or they're gonna perish. Yes, I agree with that. Well, let's let's move on. It's it. We'll be following this and keeping an eye on it. Let's let's look at a sport where the the players are actually compensated fairly and talk about NCAA basketball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's funny, right? Um, Pope, you want to? You know, Pope, you you as an Alabama fan, uh, you win, had a baby. big night last night in in uh, in hoops. Oh, wait a minute, you don't root for Alabama at basketball, do you? <laughs> oh, well, he didn't right. live there well, during basketball season. As well. God, oh, for a minute, right. I thought that's he did. true. I, I moved out of Alabama during the during those months, <laughs> <laughs> and I moved to North Carolina. No, I, I think you know, and and we'll have a, a further preview show down the line when the conference uh, really heats up. But um, so far, you know, some early observations are: I think a lot of people thought the Zags were uh, consensus number one. Um, they played like it. They uh, they blew out UCLA uh, and looked like they were going to be unstoppable. And then Duke, you know, in probably one of the better early season games that you'll see uh, with Paolo Banchero and and you know their uh, super stud point guard um, knocked them off. Um, and you know Gonzaga just didn't execute it towards the end of the game. Uh, I think they probably had a better team. But then Gonzaga turned around and got blown out by 14 to uh, a very hot shooting and athletic Alabama team that I think is going to cause a lot of problems down the line for people. Um, Baylor is, you know, right back where they were at the end of last year, number two uh, defending national champions. And it looks like they're uh, uh, maybe up for final four again, Duke. Um, They beat the Zags. They were the number one, but then they went cold in the second half and lost to Ohio state. Duke's still a young team. Coach K's got, Plenty of time to mold them together. Uh, UCLA, but for getting blown out by the Zags, you know, they're number four. Um, and then beyond that, everybody's just jockeying. Uh, there's no real consensus favorites. Um, if you look at the number one team now, which is Purdue, I don't know how long they'll stay there. Uh, I mean, they did beat Villanova, who's number six, which, which was impressive. And they beat my Tar Heels, uh, 
but those are the only top 20 uh, wins they have. And I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sold on Purdue yet. Um, like I said, uh, there's a lot of jockeying in the, you know, seven through 20 range right now. We don't know a whole lot, um, but it looks like, you know, I would say the Duke who missed the tournament last year, uh, at least from that perspective and North Carolina is starting to play better that maybe the blue bloods are back. Like we had predicted, or except, at least I predicted. Except Kentucky you can't predicted. shoot. Yeah, well, Kentucky's got their issues. Yeah. Hope, are but you I mean, surprised that this early on the season, there's one ACC team total in the top 25? No. ACC's been down the last couple of years. Um, they they had a, a record number of low, you know, t- people, uh, teams that went to the tournament last year. Um, I think Carolina is going to be a consistent top 20 team. It looks like they've, really turned it around with their win over Michigan. And then they beat a tough Georgia tech team yesterday. Uh, but you know, Virginia, they're struggling Florida state. Um, I was expecting more from them early on. Um, but you know, this tournament, uh, the pre-conference tournaments can really uh, sort out some, uh, problems with, with some of the teams. And so far ACC has not risen to the top, but, um, They'll be there, you know, maybe three or four ACC teams will be consistently top 20, but they're certainly not the best conference, not even close to it. Wake Forest is playing well. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what their ranking is. They're uh, they're. I think they're ranked ahead of Virginia now. They'll, they'll be ranked. I think they're like, yeah. Eight. One other just sort of noteworthy point you have to make about college basketball this week is the firing of Maryland coach. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't a firing, actually. It's very unclear. Uh, what happened, but Mark Turgeon is no longer the coach at Maryland. Um, I think he was there like 10 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. And since Gary Williams uh, retired, Turgeon has been the coach and uh, he's out and, and it's, it's unclear. It doesn't look like a firing. It doesn't look like a uh, your t- time for you to step down or you will be fired. It, it seems like this was really his choice mid season beginning of season really not even mid-season so unclear be curious to see as more information comes out on that but that's that's a big job that's open now that's what bronco mendenhall did at uva last week yeah you know, right right after they lost to tech he just said i'm reevaluating my life i'm out <laughs> yeah interesting okay well um there's look, there's so much going on in the NBA. I mean, it's really too early to dive too far into it, but I think we have to talk about what seems like a budding rivalry um, between the Suns and the Warriors, right? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out, shout out Nick Verderami. Two best teams in basketball right now, maybe. And they split. They split, yeah. you know, their 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 home and homes. Are you um, um do you have an announcement to to make? <laughs> an announcement on a prediction no on on no. Uh, your new your new does he have a new team you were just in arizona a couple weeks ago right hey, look, you were I'm in not, arizona it's true i'm not abandoning the lucas quite yet but the mavs are struggling um they're under 500 which i would not have expected this early uh, so maybe by check. episode 47 you'll you'll be you'll be moving on is that what we're saying yeah well, I, I, I am just, flying through Phoenix tomorrow. Does that count? Oh, uh, listen, Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix had what uh, eighteen games in a row. Is that they they won they win eighteen in a row? 
and then uh, Golden State broke the streak, right? Right. And right. Did anybody anybody watch, watch? Did anybody watch those two games? They were amazing. the first one. I didn't no. see the second one, but first one I saw. And I want to just say, enjoy it while it lasts, Mr. Verderami, because once Clay Thompson starts playing and that team and Andrew Wiseman is back and that team's fully healthy, Golden State is going to pulverize the West. Enjoy it, Mr. Verderami. Enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Keep an eye on it. It's going to be interesting. It should be a good rivalry to watch. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how the how the season unshakes, uh, shakes out. Lots going on in the NBA still, but um we got to talk NCAA football because you know the season the regular season wound down over the weekend um some people i think feel vindicated uh it's shocking i mean nobody could see coming that alabama would win the sec this year and would and would go into the tournament as the number 1 seed i don't know anybody who predicted that um well, the monday monday morning quarterbacks are predicting it right now Milk, what do you what do you got to say about college football? Oh, I I've prepared a five minute talk <laughs> on Billy Billy Napier. Are we gonna... <laughs> so could you take that milk? picture down now? It's disturbing. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna love this. Thing. Well, look, we have to, we've got to congratulate our fellow SMQ Pope Brian Pope on an unbelievable win, and that was an absolute ass kicking that nobody expected. Domination. Uh, and by the way, I didn't expect know, it. If you put Saban at a touchdown underdog, which to normal teams is like a 50 points underdog spread, that is exactly what's going to happen. They were passionate. They were into it. They knocked them. I mean, they beat the crap. That game wasn't even close. It really wasn't. And uh, I mean, Pope, congratulations, man. You know, what, what so we- surprised. He was so surprised by it. He started breaking in a bulldog's hat about three weeks ago. Figuring that he was going to have to come up with some way to show that he's been a fan for a long time. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, I I thought that looked like a pro team against a college team. Parts of that game. They did. So look, there's here, the rankings, the final rankings are out. We've got Bama at one, Michigan two, Georgia three. Cincy's at four. How about Cincy? I mean, they broke the the power five Congrats. stranglehold yeah, in the playoffs. Not, you guys who wanted this. Go I mean, Bearcats. Excited about yeah. this? You got the yes. ultimate David yes. versus Goliath set up for the Cotton Bowl. They're a lot tougher than people give them credit for, too. They you have work, no idea how good working on this. the AAC is. <laughs> it's an amazing conference. Yes. AAC. There's, there's, a you, lot of, there's a lot of pressure on Cincy, though. There's, there's a, a lot of pressure on them because if they get – throttled then you know we're just going to go back to all the talk about the power five and these other schools don't deserve to be there um let's you know it would be good for college football since he could win that game i think or at least be competitive for the competitive. whole competitive i'm, t- I'm telling I mean, you right now one of the more exciting games this year is going to be michigan georgia oh yeah that's gonna be a great game great game and you know these teams are when you think about Michigan, and that was a dominating win they had. No one's really talking about that Iowa win, but they kicked the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And they are hot right now. They are they're probably the hottest team in the entire playoffs. I mean, Bama had had four or five really kind of mm, they, games. They before. may have a better pass rush than Alabama, and the Georgia quarterback did not handle that one. No, Stetson. Well, look, I mean, I I think that the ass whipping that the Tide put on the dogs is going to have some long-lasting effect for Kirby. Um, 
I'm not assuming that that Georgia is going to beat Michigan at all. In fact, I no. think Michigan's going to win. I, I think you know Georgia was exposed in ways that Harbaugh's going to be take a, be able to take advantage of. And if you really drill into Georgia's schedule, they beat Clemson in the first game of the year, which was you know a real big hyped game. But Clemson turned out to be not that great. They beat Kentucky and they beat Arkansas. They they beat they beat Clemson it. like ten to six or something, yeah, it was right? 10, was it? ten to three. That was our closest yeah. game. That was the first that, game of the year. Though. Yeah, and, and still they, had a good defense. Then they just they didn't have terrible. they didn't have a close game. They didn't have a close game the rest of the year, and I'm not convinced that Georgia's talent is going to be able to come back uh, against Michigan. So I mean, I think Saban not only bitch slapped, you know, smart once more, but. He also probably put a hurting on him that's going to affect their ability to come back and play him in a rematch. Pope, let me ask you a question. I, I know Bama has about 500 NFL future players on their team, but I do think that the injury to Mechie is pretty serious as it relates to their offensive talent. I mean, yes, you've got that guy who's basically a NASCAR driver speed uh, it, Jameson Williams or whatever his name is that guy's one of the fastest guys I've ever seen on the football field but Mechie's a great great receiver he's like Devontae Smith <clears throat> he's not going to play in that game correct he's done right Mechie is not he's ACL right. he's right. out yeah they right. think he has an ACL yeah so and don't you think that affects your offensive uh, capabilities a little bit yeah but you but you Yes, but I mean, you know, Saban's got a, a reserve stocked. I mean, he's got Brooks, who made that great catch against Auburn uh, in the final, you know, seconds to send it to overtime. Um, they, they'll, they'll uh, and they have a full month to practice and bring these guys up to speed. Uh, I, I, yeah, Mechie loss is huge, but well, he's having some internet oh. issues there. Um, strike the pose. That was a Heisman winning game and a Heisman winning moment. Well, I just want to say that I don't think there's anybody on this pod or that covers sports that would tell you that if this ends up being, if Georgia beats Michigan and Alabama beats Cincinnati and what we're seeing is Alabama, Georgia, that is not good for college football. It's just not. But what's the fix? What's the fix? Let them play each other in the semis to at least assure that they're not going to play each other in the finals. And they could have make, done that. Does you anybody want to rule. see that, though? Because no, Michigan, could, Michigan could beat Georgia. Michigan well, the, could the, totally beat Georgia. The, the fix Michigan is now you is have, have more Georgia. than four teams. The fix is you have more than four teams. You have eight or That's 16 true. teams. That's the fix. That's true. Um, That's true. One, one interesting note in college football, um, Rooster, a big uh, job in college football got filled um, this weekend. And, and I think you wanted to address it. Well, I just wanted to say whatever the synonym for kudos is to Notre Dame <laughs> for hiring Marcus Freeman. How about props? Uh, props. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that video the say of, the team, of the team accepting him at his awesome. introduction. That was awesome. I mean, those kids obviously love him. They would run through a wall for him. And, um, you know, right after we did our, our episode on diversity in sports, uh, Notre Dame, which is, you know, a storied uh, institution, goes out and hires an African-American as their head coach. And unlike the last time they did that, I really think they're committed to sticking with this guy and making it work. 
Um, so good, good for them. He seems like a great guy. He's succeeded everywhere he's ever been. He's a tremendous recruiter, which that school desperately needs. I mean, unless you're a tight end or a lineman, they're not, they weren't going to get you under Kelly. So maybe now he'll get some, you know, receivers and quarterbacks, running backs on that team. So anyway, congratulations to him, to Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. Great job. All right. Quick uh, F1 update. Cause we got to talk about it. We are 21 races under the belt. We are coming to the last race of the season and shit. If it isn't tied at the top between Lewis Hamilton and the evil Un- Max Verstappen, fucking believable, unbelievable. And probably what's just as unbelievable about it is how we ended up uh, in the situation. They, they were in Saudi Arabia this weekend for the race. And I mean, that track was tight. It was yeah. fast. It was long. It was tight. And it dangerous kind of seemed like it seemed like whoever was on pole was going to have a pretty clear path to victory on Sunday and going into the, to the last lap on the, of qualifying uh, Lewis Hamilton was sitting on provisional pole and Verstappen was, was killing it. And right in the last turn, he went into the wall he didn't really damage the car too much, but he certainly wasn't able to finish his lap. And as a result, Hamilton ends up on pole, which many of us sort of thought would, would lock it up for him and wouldn't be an issue. And then all fucking hell broke loose. <laughs> and that race was just, I, I mean, I don't, it was bananas. It was bananas, the number of wrecks. And then you had this incredibly strange situation where, where, Hamilton is coming up behind Verstappen. I guess there's about 10 laps to go in the race. And Verstappen had gotten in front of Hamilton by going off the, off the track for a minute. Cutting was probably the Probably told to, cut, to give up the place, right? This is the way they handle it in racing sometimes. If a guy gets an advantage from going off the track, he gives back the place. And, and he does it, but... Hamilton, it seems like, didn't know that he was being told to do it. And so Hamilton comes up behind him and he sort of slammed, Verstappen sort of slams his brakes on. And as a result, Hamilton runs into the back of him, damages his front wing, which you would think would be just that that would be the end of it, that he wouldn't have, you know, the car wouldn't wouldn't be able to keep up at that point with, with the Red Bull. But somehow Hamilton gets the place back and is able to finish in first uh, Max comes in uh, second. He's actually given a 10 second penalty post race. It didn't, it didn't change him coming in second, but it would have, it certainly would have, you know, made Lewis uh, uh, put him in first if he hadn't finished in first. Um, so here they are tied up going into the last race of the season. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be bananas. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction on this. I'm going to suggest that maybe neither Lewis or Max wins the race. Right. Somebody else wins this race, and the world champion is decided by who comes in second or third, possibly. What if they take each other out and they both crash and can't finish the race? I think. Which after after Sunday seems likely. Max wins. Max Max wins wins. because he's got more more first place finishes. Max wins, and if Lewis is. (laughs) Look out. That's a winner. (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I mean they were both listen. lucky to survive that race, I think. Yeah. The way, the way so, Max was driving. These guys do not like, like each other. other. I mean, this was the first time I've seen ever on an F1 podium that you had two drivers not even congratulate or acknowledge one another i don't know if you guys saw that yeah, saw they that did not awesome. even acknowledge each other on the podium well yeah, the owners i mean the principals are pretty much in the same boat I, th- <laughs> I think if max if max had taken out lewis with that slamming on the brakes maneuver i there, I, th- I think there was a good chance that uh toto was going to go over there and throttle Christian. Oh, yeah. You would have seen Toto walking down the pit with a wrench in his hand looking yeah. for, for a Horner, right? No Christian's question. kind of a badass. Yeah, I'm but Christian's sure about, about five foot yeah. four, and Toto is a big dude. Right, right. Well, listen, we've been encouraging you to watch F1. If you haven't given it a shot, uh, this, this weekend is the time to watch it. It's going to be high drama for sure. And from there... Come on, man. Um, in honor of Max Verstappen, let's do a little punchable face of the week. Milk, what do you got for us? Mm, let's. This is a good one. Um, so let me start by saying that you know we talked last week about coaches leaving programs uh, for more money, and you can debate that all you want on whether that they have they you know should be punched in the face for leaving to to take a higher salary or they're perfectly able to do that. But when you have, when you do that and you're also a total asshole, then I'm going to punch you in the face because um, Brian Kelly, who God, and there's, first of all, let me tell you a quick story about him that I learned this weekend from a guy who is a big um, he's, he's from Cincinnati. He's a big donor booster or whatever at the, at the program. And when they were in the Orange Bowl, like 15, 16 years ago, he was in the, uh, and he was like 25 at the time. And he was in the elevator. This is when Kelly was coach of Cincinnati. He was in the elevator of the Orange Bowl. Kelly gets in and he goes, hey, Brian. And he turns to him and says, call me coach. And I'm like, this is the type of guy that Brian Kelly is. He's a complete total Dick. dick. And what really did it for me, though, was this weekend when he gets introduced at the <laughs> LSU basketball game. Yeah. And suddenly, this guy has got the biggest Southern accent you've ever heard, just totally blending in. He's such a fake. He's a uh, chameleon. Chameleon and everything. How y'all doing? The So much so that there's a good article uh, of the new Gator coach um, who – was announced yesterday and you know he's a uh, coming from university of louisiana and he gets off the plane and he like interacts with everybody right he, he goes and talks to the cheerleaders he goes and talks to the mascot everybody and the gator sports writer was basically saying it was basically the exact opposite of what you saw brian kelly do he gets off the plane he doesn't acknowledge anybody he doesn't look at the cheerleaders he doesn't look at the mascot he does he goes straight to the people he's supposed to shake hands with, the AD and the president, because they're the ones who, those are his bosses. And then it's like, get in the car and let's go to the podium and do my my interview. 
and he's just an asshole. And I wish nothing but poor things on him. I hate LSU already. I hope they take a total dive with him at, at the helm. And I'm punching him in the face, mainly, though, for trying to have a fake Southern accent at, at a basketball game. I, I, I predict failure for Brian Kelly at LSU. Yes. Wow. wow. Bless his heart, as they like to say in Milk. the South. Milk, Bless did, his uh, heart. did your new man, Billy, pay money for that haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Rooster's really obsessed. Rooster really doesn't like this guy. I'm, hey, there's nothing better than the first day of being a head coach. The pomp and circumstance, all the shit, the, the, the parade they put on for you. There's so much hope. Milk will never forget the first day he was head coach of, of uh, Preston's T-ball team. That's right. right. That's right. They all love the me. Pop and circumstance. House, give us a lasso. Take us home with a Ted Lasso. Barbecue sauce. You know, last week you played a great video in honor of the Jackie Robinson episode from the Baseball Hall of Fame. And um, yesterday, there's a a new episode at the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is worth celebrating. In in 2006, a guy named Buck O'Neill stood before the Baseball Hall of Fame at the age of 1994, excuse me, at the age of 94, and, and he celebrated a number of Negro League players being inducted into the Hall of Fame for the first time. He had been the advocate for all of them to get in. He himself, as the first uh, manager in Major League Baseball history that was black, was up for getting in, but he fell one vote short in in 2006. Nevertheless, in 1994, there's a great video of him doing that – induction of all these Negro League Negro League players posthumously. Well, yesterday history righted itself and Buck O'Neill himself was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame by the early baseball era committee. He was a player, a manager, the first black coach as I mentioned, a scout. Get this, these are the people that he scouted and got into the major leagues. Guys you might have heard of named Ernie Banks, Lou Brock, Lee Smith, and Joe Carter. He was the Casey Monarch's manager, um, he won the batting title uh, after coming back and serving this country in World War II, batting 353. He took the Kansas City Monarchs to two pennants in the Negro Leagues, and then once the leagues were integrated, uh, became a manager for them here in Major League Baseball. It's a great story. Ken Burns recounts some of it in the documentary Baseball. And uh, in terms of just great people who probably won't make very much of the modern annals of history, Buck O'Neill is someone worth celebrating. Uh, worth celebrating. I'm glad that Major League Baseball and the Hall did it right and inducted him. And for that, I think he's very well deserving, not only of a Hall of Fame entry, but as the SMQB lasso. Good one. Cheers. Good one. Good, Good one. one. Also, congrats on Jim Cott. Yeah. Yep. You know, he played for like 25 years, like four decades, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's nuts. Incredible. Impressive. All right, guys. Good episode. Lots of sports coming up. Big NFL game tonight. You got Dallas. Check it out.
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.